Regions believes that being a bank means serving the community. Regions is shining the light on local food banks as they feed our neighbors in need. See how you can help at regions.com slash food bank. The Regions branches are open by drive through or lobby appointment only. Bank safely and securely from almost anywhere with Regions Online banking or mobile banking. Data rates may apply. Regions Bank. Member FDIC. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. This is the Duly Noted Podcast. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, welcome into another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. <laughs> What is that? Duly noted podcast, not doula noted. Uh, we will be joined a little bit later by Tom Luganbill, does a great job for ESPN and on Sirius Radio. Um, one of the one of the brightest minds, I think, in in the business. He'll join us uh, later this week. We will uh, on the Thursday podcast, the pregame podcast that we do. Uh, we'll have somebody on from uh, probably Tom Murphy, who's a good friend of mine, and we've been talking all week. Uh, from Arkansas, who will talk about the Razorbacks. But obviously today, we are going to talk about the Gators beating Georgia, which is always something that makes Gator fans very happy. Um, look, I, I talked about it last week. I I, I picked Georgia, and the only reason I would wanted to pick Florida was the quarterback edge, and I, I kind of got dissuaded by listening to too many – Kirby Smart interviews. I, I felt like they were they were okay. What I didn't realize is how okay Florida was. Now, I will say this. Nobody saw the game playing out like it did. Anybody who thought Florida would give up a touchdown on the first play and then a touchdown on the first possession and go three and out and be down 14 nothing and then storm back the way they did and then give up a pick six and storm back again and then – not score but six points in the second half and still win the game comfortably. Uh, although I was, I got a little uncomfortable, I got to admit. I don't think anybody saw it playing out the way it did, but that's what college football is. I, I told you guys this before. You, you had to bring your A game for this game. And Florida brought its A game. Now, obviously, there were some areas where they were a little deficient, but Florida brought its A game. And Georgia, the, the edge at quarterback was just so overwhelming that it was too much, too much for the the Bulldogs. I mean, they just didn't have it. Now, I will say this, on the second touchdown they get, Stetson Bennett gets his shoulder, his AC joint got damaged, and he wasn't the same after that. And obviously, Dewan Mathis, although he had some, some bright moments, isn't a guy who's going to come back, lead you on a comeback. Um, and that's the thing. When we are talking about this game, I think there's some people, and I'm one of them, who was a little bit shaky about how the secondary played and how many guys were running free. A drop, pa- a couple of drop passes, obviously. Um, that one play where I can't remember who it was. I think it was Robinson uh, running free down the middle on a post pattern, safety way behind him, corner way behind him. Dwan Mathis overthrew him. And you're like, if he catches that and goes in, it's a six-point game and everybody's getting nervous. But there is something to be said for the fact that Florida's pressure on the quarterback and the fact that they Florida was um, playing a, a, a defense that you know could let you get behind them was based on the fact they didn't think they could throw the ball down the field. And so there's that part of it. But it still made made you nervous. And it's still something that Florida is I it's hard to understand why they play so poorly in the secondary. They got good players back there that aren't playing well. But what do I say? Nobody suffers winning like Gator fans. So let's not complain about beating Georgia after losing three in a row to Georgia, of taking control of the SEC East. I mean, that is huge. It's huge where Florida is. Now, again, we don't know where we're heading. You can't really look at the finish line. You only look at this week. Are you going to play the game? Are you going to have healthy players? Are they going to be able to 
pass the fr- the last test on Thursday, which is the results are given to him Friday. That's what it's all about. And for this game, Florida had everybody. They had their kicker who made 250 yarders. They had all their secondary guys back. Um, and that was a big factor too. Obviously, guys got hurt during the game. Stuart Reese got hurt, and we don't know if he's going to play in this game. Kyle Pitts with the concussion. We don't know if he's going to play against Arkansas. He'll have to pass concussion protocol. And we don't know how he'll be affected by that hit. That was a vicious hit. Um, I've had people email me saying it should be more of a suspension than just the second half of the game. Um, That was bad. And that was uh, textbook targeting. But, you know, the rule is what it is. I'm not going to get into that. However, um, you never know. Kyle Pitts could be affected by that the rest of his career in terms of going over the middle. I hope not. I hope he continues to be one of the best tight ends. Well, I would say the best tight end that ever played here. And and the, the funny thing is, I don't want to say funny, I used to say that about Aaron Hernandez. To me, um, Aaron Hernandez was the best tight end that ever played at Florida unbelievable talent now obviously we know what all the things that happened later but now you can pen this in Kyle Pitts is the best tight end to ever play here that catch he made down the sideline with having to go up between two guys and make the catch Kirby Smart was jumping up but he wasn't jumping for joy and then fighting I think he fought all the way down to the five-yard line now don't forget they lost Kyle Pitts with like middle of the second quarter. So they had didn't have him from the rest of the way and yet still put up the points they put up. And uh, there are three stats that, to me, that told the story of the game. And, you know, you, you could disagree with me, but they were the ones that I believe told the story of the game. And I'm going to give you those three stats right after we take this break here on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. <laughs> If you're a Gator fan who believes that people should be treated better, join ViStar. Our members have enjoyed friendly, personal service since 1952. A smile and personal greeting when entering a branch. An online or phone chat for those quick questions. And a call center that's open every day. At ViStar, we never forget that it's your money. Proud partner of the Florida Gators. All loans subject to approval. Insured by NCUA. Seems like with everything that's going on in the world today, we all just need a moment to chill out. There's only one beer that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. Over the last few months, we've gone from no sports anywhere to sports on television everywhere. Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport or any team. So whether you're watching the Gators, Crimson Tide, Fighting Irish, or Lawn Bowling Championship, crack open the mountain cold refreshment of a Coors Light. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, a perfect moment to unwind. Make sure your refrigerator is always stocked with plenty of Coors Light. Get Coors Light in the new look, delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. So the next time life forces are coming at you hard, take a moment, stop and reset, and reach for a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment, made to chill. Celebrate responsibly, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Bring game day tailgates home this season after a stop at ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Stock up your huddle with beer, hard seltzers, your favorite wine, or something sparkling. ABC is Florida family-owned and has been getting Gator fans ready for kickoff since 1936. Head inside one of their 125 stores around the state or try their curbside service by ordering online at abcfws.com. ABC Access loyalty members can save $10 on wine, 10% on beer and hard seltzers, and earn points toward $5 coupons. ABC, always be celebrating. All right, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. The, um... Yeah, three stats. Not three things. Three things will be later in the show. 
But the three stats that, that stood out to me, and it, look, the obvious one is Kyle Trask on for over 400 yards. But these are the three that I took from the game. One, three penalties, 15 yards. That's it. That's the list. The Gators, now I will say this. I think the officials let, and they do this in big games, especially, I'm telling you, in the SEC, it's hard to get called for holding in a big game. Okay? They will let you get away with a lot more. I've seen it over and over again. It's part of the reason Alabama is so damn good is they get away with They never get called for holding because they're always playing big games. Every game they play is a big game. Still, three penalties, 15 yards. And I brought this up to uh, Mullen on Monday about how Florida's only averaging 39 yards a game in penalties, which is uncharacteristically low for a Florida successful Florida football team. I mean, Spurrier's teams had tons of penalties. Uh, they just overcame them. All right? We got second 15? All right, we'll, we'll throw the skinny post, you know. Um, Urban Meyer's teams had had a lot of penalties. And, and Mullen's teams have been, you know, right around the middle, but they're doing really well this year on that. Okay, that's the number one stat. The number two stat is kind of an obvious one, too. 212 receiving yards from the running backs. I will say this. I am stunned at how good Malik Davis is. Malik Davis, obviously, the, the injuries he had last year wasn't very good, wasn't anything special. This year, he has realized, I can be Michael P. Ryan. I can be the guy that they want to throw the ball to. And that catch he made down the sideline was unbelievable. I mean, that's the kind of catch a receiver. If a receiver makes that catch, you're going, you just got mossed. That was an incredible catch. Damian Pierce, Naquan Wright, these guys all did an incredible job. And now, like, my favorite pass pattern in Florida football history if you're going to say, what is your what, what is the pattern you like the most? It's that corner post route. And Doring used to run it all the time. You kind of run inside a little bit, run like you're going down the field, and then cut it to the outside. He caught a ton of touchdowns on that play. That used to be my favorite. My favorite right now is a wheel route. That wheel route was unbelievably successful. And look, Florida knew that would work. And they kept running it, and Georgia never really adjusted. Georgia did do a better job in the second half, but even then Florida was able to hit it. Um, And then the third stat that was, to me, was the story of the game was that Florida had eight possessions in the first half. Last year they only had seven in the whole game. And that was the reason they lost. They couldn't get off the field. That defense, as bad as they started – from that point and from the point of the second touchdown until the end of the first half, gave up only 30 yards. Bunch of three and outs. That allowed the offense to get back on the field over and over again, and they just kept scoring. So those are the three stats that to me were huge. And look, I'm the first guy that'll say Florida was very fortunate in that game in a lot of ways. You know, they were very fortunate that that Richard LeCount was out, who's a, who's a great player. They were very fortunate that um, some of those passes weren't, you know, if, if they'd had a better quarterback, who knows how this game would have gone. They were very fortunate in um, in a lot of ways. That Kyle Trask threw a pit, what looked like it could have been a pick six, and the guy dropped it, and I'm just like, Kyle, what are you doing? And here's a guy who's put himself squarely in the Heisman race, but all I can think about is him almost letting them back in the game. So they were very fortunate in that regard. But look, there's nothing wrong with being fortunate. I talk about Zuckluck all the time. Ron Zuck was the unluckiest man, the unluckiest coach. He wasn't an unlucky man. He had a great, beautiful wife, great family. It wasn't a, a lot of money, made a lot of money. I'm not saying he was an unlucky person he was an unlucky football coach he never got a break four hurricanes came through Gainesville his last year one of them cost him a bye week and it it affected him there was just bad luck everywhere with him the Tennessee game that year was the most incredibly bad luck game of all time and so I call it Zook luck and Will Muschamp had Zook luck when he was at Florida couldn't get breaks 
couldn't get, you know, like when you think about Ron Zook, his record at Florida really wasn't that bad. Now it wasn't what Spurrier was, and that's that was the problem. And it he he brought all these players in that ended up winning championships for Urban Meyer. Now obviously Tebow and guys like that weren't weren't uh, Zook recruits, but that 06 team was mostly I think at twenty. One of the 22 starters were recruited by Ron Zook. So my point is, he knew how to do certain things well, but he couldn't get any breaks. And uh, there were times when I don't think he did a good job. But this isn't about Ron Zook. This is about Dan Mullen. There's nothing wrong with getting lucky. There's nothing wrong with Kyle Trask getting some breaks. There's, I mean, he threw a pick six. And this was a great stat that a reader sent me. And I, I should give him credit, but I, I don't have my uh, phone with me. I think his name was Richard. Anyway, that in two straight games, Kyle's thrown a, a uh, pick six. After the first one, he Florida scored 28 straight points. After the second one, Florida scored 27 straight points. So, obviously, he's got the bounce back in him. He shakes it off. He's, it's okay. I threw a pick six. Now, let's just go down the field and score. Don't forget, after the pick six, for Georgia, and that was a great play. Not a not look. The guys ran the wrong route. So you had a freshman in there who ran uh, the wrong route. It allowed the the DB to cheat over when he saw the ball being thrown, and he picked it off. And he made a great run, no question about it. I, I it was really a good run back, and give him credit for that. But Stokes was his name, by the way. But um, it took Florida two plays to score after that. Now that is bouncing back. I think they hit – I want to say it was Naquan. It might have been Damian on on a wheel route for a bunch of yards and then um, and then Pitts for the touchdown, I, I think. My memory is a little bit shaky right now. But anyway, my point being um, that it's okay to get some breaks. There's nothing wrong with that. Florida was a better team. And look, I, I'm the guy who stood up and I on all the platforms I have, whether it's podcast or radio or Paul Feinbaum show, and said, look, Georgia's got better players in Florida. I still believe they do. If you look at the 85-man roster, how many, ever many players Florida and, and Georgia have on scholarship, I think they do have better players, at least according to the recruiting services. And look, I've watched Georgia play. They're, they've got really good players, but what they don't have – is the a great player in two key positions. One of them, obviously, is quarterback. And we'll talk to Tom Luganville in just a minute about that that issue that they have. Secondly, is they don't have a breakaway wide receiver. Now George Pickens was out for the game again. You know, on Monday, listening to Kirby Smart, he was saying it's a, it's an issue of pain tolerance. Maybe he just didn't want to play. I don't know. I mean, he's hurt. But sometimes if you've got better players in the key spots, it doesn't matter if you have better players overall. And I think a lot of people will say, well, that gap isn't as big as maybe some people thought. I think people thought the gap was bigger than it is. The way Florida handled Georgia on the offensive line, the way they did a good job with the defensive line, it may not be as big as as we all thought, I think there's still a gap there in terms of pure talent, but not where it matters. Got to have a quarterback. You have a good quarterback, you got a chance to win any game. You have a bad quarterback, you got a chance to lose almost any game. And we saw it we you know, we've seen it with Georgia earlier this year when when they played Alabama. So, anyway, look. Florida needs to catch up with Georgia in recruiting. They, they, they're taking strides. They're getting better. They're getting more four, four stars. Trying to get five stars, that's been the, the big difference, the ability to get them. I'm still a big believer that once they get that facility built over there, it's going to make a huge difference. Um, but the biggest difference, the biggest thing you've got to do is you've got to be playing in the big games. And Georgia's played in more big games than Florida over the last three or four years. You know, Georgia was a play away from winning the national title. Florida hasn't been, you know, these nigger six bowls are great. And and I look, to win 21 games in his first two years, I give Dan Mullen so much credit. But you're playing in New Year's six bowls, and that's all fine. And the same. 
That's what the playoff system has done. And what it's done is cause um, all, you know, college football to just become, okay, well, the same teams are going to be in it every year. And maybe Florida can change that this year. Florida, If Florida gets in the playoff, and again, I, there's still a long way to go, okay? There's no doubt about it. There's a long way to go. They've still got five games left. And I will say this, I don't think – any of the teams they're playing is exceptional. And to be honest with you, I don't think anybody's got better players in Florida. You know, LSU's defense is so bad. Now they may be shutting down Miles Brennan for the year. Um, Tennessee, gone back to being the Kardashians, as we all know. You know, you got Vandy, which we won't even get into that. Um, and uh, Kentucky, which offensively can't do anything. I think their biggest and I wrote about this in my column on uh, Tuesday in the back nine. This is the quarterback that can beat them if their secondary doesn't play better. I'm not saying he will, but he's he's got the arm. And Felipe Franks, we're, look, we'll talk more about him on Thursday and what's going on with Arkansas, but I think, this, I think if they can get by this Arkansas game, looks pretty good. Now, again, you, you get to Atlanta – which is no guarantees right now. They haven't won anything, but they do have that game-and-a-half lead. Some people call it a two-game lead. It's not a two-game lead. It's a game-and-a-half lead. You can lose another game. You can't lose two if Georgia doesn't lose any, okay? That's it's, it's basic math. But you can lose one, and you still have the advantage because you have the head-to-head. Now, somebody emailed me, and I've got to find this out. In fact, I think um, I think Greg Sankey is actually going to be our speaker on the at the uh, – uh, quarterback club, Gainesville quarterback club meeting tonight, and and I'm going to ask him this question because what if Florida gets another game canceled and ends up losing one game and goes seven and two in the conference, and Georgia goes eight and two, Florida still has a head to head. I I still think Florida would go, but maybe we're getting way ahead of ourselves. I just I don't. My thing is. Got to play Saturday, and then we'll see what happens there, and then we'll go on to the next week. See what happens when we're seeing all these COVID cases all over the country. It's certainly a shame. Um, it's a miracle that we've gotten through this much of the schedule, to be honest with you. All right. I uh, I do want to get into some of that, some of the other games that happened over the weekend, and, of course, three things will be coming up. But first, we'll take a break, and we'll bring on Tom Luganville, ESPN, Sirius Radio, really good guy. Look forward to him. Why are there helicopters flying over the studio here? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Maybe they're looking for – maybe it's Ray Liotta they're looking for. All right, we'll take a break. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. Okay, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. It's a great pleasure to bring in Tom Luganbill. I listen to him all the time on Sirius Radio and, of course, ESPN and does a great job. Uh, I know you're you're heavily involved in the Maxion right now. Uh, that's uh, it, it was. It's great to have them back playing. It, you know, it really is. I, I had a game last week. I've got a game uh, Wednesday between Toledo and, and Western Michigan. And you know, listen, with with everything that's gone on with COVID, Pat, and with the financial ramifications that we're seeing hit the, the Power Five programs, the programs with financial resources. You know, there's a lot of people that feared that if the MAC didn't have some form of a season this year, they might not be having football. I mean, that's how dire these consequences are. So excited to not only see them back, but it's neat to see them have their own portion of the season. All games midweek, it's their window. And uh, I know the coaches that I've spoken to the first couple of weeks are just loving it. Yeah, and obviously we're still feeling the effects. I mean, nothing nothing is going away and, except for games. I think uh, <laughs> 10 games were canceled last week. We've already seen Auburn, Mississippi State, LSU, Alabama. And as we're recording this, who knows if it's going to get canceled by the time we post it um, and postpone. But um, it's just something, I mean, everybody's got to deal with. And we we saw Florida have two full weeks off, no practice, nothing, and then come back and play their two best games of the year against Missouri and uh, 
and obviously Georgia. That I think these guys deserve some credit for what they've been able to go through. Oh, they absolutely do, and I can tell you, Pat. You know, get ready for our games each and every week, and you hear the stories and the sacrifices and the protocols and all the different scheduling conflicts, and and it's all all with one goal in mind. How do we somehow get to Saturday with our best 11 on the field at a time? And, and no matter what else you're doing, that's the goal at the end of the week. And, you know, I, I don't know if maybe many fans truly realize the impact of what happens with the testing throughout the week. Because as we started talking with coaches, as we were getting prepared for games, and you know, there, it's one thing to have a positive test. It's an entirely different animal when you add contact tracing to that, because right. here's the problem. The positive test goes into the 14-day quarantine, but the contact trace guy, even if he tests negative, gets treated as if he's positive. So he goes into the quarantine too. So when you're hearing about games being shuffled around and postponed or canceled, it may not necessarily be because of a couple of positive cases. It's the contact tracing related to those cases that can decimate entire position groups. You know, case in point, Wisconsin, their entire season went up in smoke in one weekend. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that's so frustrating. And you're right, you got to give these coaches, the staff, and these kids a lot of credit. Tom, you know, you know a little something about playing quarterback, and I'm just wondering uh, the season, but especially the game that Kyle Trask had on Saturday, hitting that wheel route. And, and look, the, the guys were open, but he had to put it right on the money and allow them to run with the ball. He throws, he's just having an incredible year. I, I don't, it was a great story last year of him coming in and, and kind of saving mm-hmm. this Florida season. This year, he's a Heisman candidate. I don't think he'll win it, but he's a Heisman candidate. Well, you know, you and I talked a, a couple of years back and people are asking about And I know that, that Dan Mullen didn't recruit him, but Dan Mullen's coaching him. And everybody Dan Mullen's coached at quarterback seems to become a pretty darn good player. And so I think it's not only a, a, a tribute to Kyle Trask and his development and the fact that he is very gifted, but I just think that Dan Mullen does such a good job with scheme and implementing things that accentuate the strengths of his quarterback. And, you know, watching that game last week versus Georgia and really seeing Florida a couple of times leading up to it, what makes them so unique is you constantly have to be worried about defending the boundary or the short side of the field with the back flooding out of the backfield. Their running backs have become such a huge integral part of the passing game you know, a lot of defenses, they get worried about the wide side of the field. You're in a trip set, and all of a sudden, Trevon Grimes is coming along, and you know, Justin Shorter starting to emerge. We know you got Kadarius Toney. And the next thing you know, you've got this two-man combination between a Kyle Pitts and one or two of the running backs coming out onto the short side of the field, and nobody's come up with really an answer to defend it. So I think they've done a really good job of, of not only creating the scheme that, that accentuates Trask's strengths, but – He's been incredibly accurate to your point, but I think even more so accurate when there's been people in his face, which is a, a very, very difficult thing to do. You know, on the other side, it is amazing the job Kirby Smart has done recruiting except at one position. And, yeah. and obviously, uh, Georgia fans are not not overly thrilled with the fact that it, it feels like the, the trajectory for Georgia football is constantly getting eroded a little bit. You know, I still think Kirby knows what he's doing, and he's a great defensive co- coach, but the quarterback positions, what, what costs him in that game? Yeah, there's no question. And I think what it is is it's just further evidence that if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how good you are everywhere else. And, I mean, look, put it, all right, take Kyle Trask and put him with the University of Georgia right now. And, and where are they with, with the defense that they're able to put on the field, and even when they're not at full strength defensively. So, you know, I, I know a lot of people want to point fingers. They want to place blame. Um, do I think Carson Beck and Dewan Mathis are good enough to play at the University of Georgia? No, I don't. I was actually surprised they took both of them. And you've got Stetson Bennett, and then obviously you lose Jamie Newman, who I happen to think is an exceptional player and really creative because if he's playing for them, I think we're having an entirely different conversation about Georgia and where they are in the, in the SEC hierarchy this year, but that's not the case. And so, you know, Justin Fields is in Columbus, and you're left with a, a guy playing quarterback that probably should be playing at the FCS level. Yeah, it's amazing that Jamie Newman is going to play in the Senior Bowl. <laughs> you know, I'm like, hey, 
He didn't want to play at Georgia, but he's going to play in the Senior Bowl. I, I, I know. It's unbelievable, man. You know, uh, Tom, we thought going into this year that they weren't going to fire any coaches, okay, because mm-hmm. of the financial situations. But there sure. are coaches – we've already seen two of them let go. Obviously, Southern Miss after the first game and Utah State this week. But um, – you know, there are coaches that are in trouble, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how South Carolina handles it, you know, how some other schools handle it. What, what's your thought on some of those bigger Power 5 schools? I think a lot of it is, do you want to deal with the negative blowback that is going to likely come publicly when we are in the, the midst of a pandemic, millions upon millions of dollars have been lost, and now all of a sudden you're going to try and justify paying a $14 million buyout on top of hiring a new coach with a new contract. And I just think that that causes a lot of optic problems for universities. And you know what? Maybe there will be some administrations that say, we don't care about that. We've got to make this move. We can't let this linger. And then there's going to be others that are going to say, we just, we can't justify doing that right now. And um, for whatever the reasons, I think obviously politics are involved, optics are involved, but ultimately at the end of the day, can you afford to do it? That's really what it comes down to. Uh, last thing before we let you go, I, I have tried to explain this to people who've, at, who've called on our radio show, and uh, I, I've had a hard time explaining it. Why college football will not go to an 18 playoff this year with all the situations that we're dealing with. <laughs> it would accre- it would allow them to create more revenue, obviously, but it just feels like this is the perfect year to do it. I'll let you explain it to everybody. Because there is no way that the committee is going to open that can of worms. Because God forbid, what if it worked? <laughs> what, if, what if people liked it? What if it actually was a splash and you had the, the Cincinnati or whoever it may be get into the national championship game? I think the committee's scared to death of that. They don't want to. That's a slippery slope. Um, but at the end of the day, too, I think that, and I've said this under normal conditions, I'm, I'm more of a, if we're going to have an expansion discussion, I'm more of a have six, give the top two seeds a bye, let the other four play and go from there. And I say that just, you know, on my crew the last seven years before all of this happened, you know, I was routinely seeing the top four to eight teams in the country every weekend, either on ABC or, or, or ESPN. And I can tell you that I don't know if there actually are eight teams that can win the national championship, that are good enough to actually win the national championship or get there. Now, could an any given Saturday scenario occur? Absolutely. We, we've seen that all the time, but... At the end of the day, it's generally four and six teams, and then there's a generally a pretty significant drop-off in my eyes. He's a great Tom Lugaville. You can watch him. You're on Wednesday night, right? Um, yeah, Wednesday night uh, this week, Tuesday night next week, and then, of course, each Saturday. So I'm pulling a double for three weeks in a row. Oh, man. Well, hey, hey. At least you got something going, right? <laughs> got work. That's exactly right. Very grateful and blessed. There's no doubt. We appreciate your time. We'll be back with more of the Duly Noted Podcast right after we take this break. All right. Thanks to Tom. We appreciate him for being on. And, uh, again, we'll have another Tom, I think. I'm pretty sure on Thursday. i got to double-check with him. He – Tom Murphy from the Arkansas Democrat Gazette does a great job covering Arkansas. We've been exchanging some stuff. It's funny. We asked – I talked to their PR guy, their SID, Sports Information Director, about uh, getting Felipe. Uh, And, uh, you know, were were you guys going to set something up so Felipe could talk to the local media here? But he said, we don't do that. We don't don't put the quarterback in that position. Um, So, you know, I used some quotes that – from Felipe's press conference after the game Saturday. And, of course, that was a big win, beating Tennessee for them. The job that Sam Pittman's done is amazing. Um, We'll find out whether or not he's able to coach in the game. I I guess a false negative, or he may go through the the, uh, Nick Saban protocol and end up being here. But uh, it certainly – does it affect the game? I would say a little bit. You know, a little bit. It does affect the game. Uh, but I'm going to get it more into Arkansas later in the week. Let's talk about some of the games that happened over this weekend and also the fact that 
for example, Auburn, Mississippi State postponed because Mississippi State's only got like 40 players. Uh, and a lot of this goes back to contact tracing, as, as Tom was saying. It's not just guys testing positive. It's contact tracing where you're around the guy. You know, this goes back to what Florida had to deal with, shutting it down for two weeks because two guys thought they had allergies, turned out they had COVID, everybody's eating on the plane, everybody's masks are off to eat, eat. Everybody, a bunch of guys get it, including the head coach. So – uh, that's a shame. LSU, Alabama in jeopardy. And again, uh, like I said, by the time this is posted, that, that may have been decided. Um, and we we still don't know about A&M, Texas A&M. They, they play Tennessee this week. Tennessee uh, continues its march towards obscurity. Um, and, you know, A&M had to shut things down yesterday. We'll see where that goes. Um, so it's a shame. I mean, but it's it's the way of the world. It's what we're dealing with. This thing is far from over, okay? Uh, I was talking to uh, Scott Strickland the other day, and I asked him, you know, what he thought about when we'll get back to full capacity and were they going to change anything for any of the games now. He said no. He said he thinks it's going to be next fall, and that means baseball, softball. And I that, that really – I really want to see that baseball stadium with a full crowd for a big game, but I don't think we're going to see that in this spring. So uh, it's just the way it is, okay? Um, obviously, the games that happened on uh, over the weekend uh, were pretty amazing. They were – there was – I mean, the Liberty-Virginia Tech game was unbelievable. I still don't know how good Liberty is. Uh, they're pretty good. Um, Virginia Tech's nothing special. I know their record was 4-2 and two going to that game, and they should have won the game. They don't call timeout. But the fact that Liberty was right there with them, I mean, I give them credit. Hugh Freeze is going to parlay this into a great job. Now the question is, where will it be? South Carolina got embarrassed again. Will Muschamp kick the field goal down 41-0? It's a, it's, a, it's a recurring theme. You know, as soon as you think he's got a, a handle on how things are going and they're going well, they start going bad. Um. Now, it's a $14.3 million buyout. I don't know if they're willing to do that, but the fact that Hugh Freeze is going to be... Now, how attractive is Hugh Freeze? That's the question. You're talking about a guy who cheated. He cheated at Ole Miss, no matter what he wants to say. He spoke to the quarterback club last year, you know, and, and he had, you know he said, hey, you know, my wife and I went through a... And she was there. Went through a tough situation where he was calling... Um, escort services on a burner phone. But that's not – I mean, that was why he finally eventually got fired. But he cheated in recruiting, okay? So you're going to bring this guy in and say, hey, look, you got zero tolerance, um, but we think you're a good enough football coach. You can turn things around here. Yeah, I think you would if you're South Carolina. The question is, who's going to be the AD if they do let Will Muschamp go? Because, look, Ray Tanner may go down with him. But again, are you going to pay off Ray Tanner, pay off Will Muschamp, pay off assistant coaches? There's not a lot of money out there anymore. This was this is again, I've talked about this before, part of the SEC problem is that the more they made, the more they spent in this conference. And so now everybody's struggling and maybe taking out loans and we'll see what happens there. But obviously, that that South Carolina game, I I will I have to admit I didn't watch any of it. I was all, I was obsessed with some of the other games that were going on, including Clemson, um, obviously Notre Dame, which was an unbelievable game. It was a great football game. Um, I don't I I almost feel like there was no loser. Like Clemson is probably going to roll through the rest of its schedule and play Notre Dame again and have Trevor Lawrence. Not that not that that was a difference. The difference was their – I think their tackles were injured. They were out. They had a lot of injuries to deal with. And and let me tell you what. that There, there are two th- – obviously, as Tom said, you got to have a quarterback in this, in this world right now. But if you don't have interior linemen, defensive linemen, you're going to have trouble. And Florida did have trouble when they didn't have Kyrie Campbell, obviously, because they needed a second guy in there. Now they have them. They're playing better defense. Uh, 
the that was I think the the reason Notre Dame was able to win that game. But that was a great game. It was a, it was a terrific game. Uh, and like I said, there really was no loser, except you may say, you know who the loser might have been was Miami. Because Clemson's already beaten Miami. Even though Miami could end up going with only, end up the season with only one loss, they should have lost that game to NC State on – was that Friday? I think it was Friday, yeah. On Friday, NC State's DBs are the worst. You'd think Florida's DBs are struggling. The NC State – decided we're going to play man-to-man press the entire game. And all they kept doing was throwing it over their heads. And the difference is De'Eric King has got a better arm than Stetson Bennett and Dewan Mathis. And, I mean, there, there's no way you should score. Was it 44-41, I think, was the final? You shouldn't score 41 points and lose a game, even in this world of modern football. Uh, but, you know, so Clemson plays Notre Dame again. The winner of that game probably goes to the playoff. Miami's got no shot unless one of those teams – like if, if – we'll see. It's interesting. Notre Dame, when they beat FSU that year, it was 93. And remember, I remember – I'll never forget Matt Fryer, who was from Swanee and was begging – I remember him being on TV begging for another chance. You know, that they, they barely lost one game on the road – and then, of course, Notre Dame loses the next week to Boston College. Uh, who does Notre Dame have this, this week? Boston College. And Boston College isn't bad. But this can happen in college where you get a little bit too caught up in what you did last week and not what you need to do this week. And, look, I, I think that's an issue for Florida. We'll see if it is. I think Dan Mullen's message was brilliant to the team. If you want to be great, you have to get better every week. So that means you got to be better than you were against Georgia. If they're better than they were against Georgia, Arkansas has no chance. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, uh, the the four straight losses now for uh, Tennessee. Uh, like I said, they're back to being the Kardashians. They look good, but they haven't done anything. You know, they were oh, we're back, we're back. We won six in a row. Now we're 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 back. We we beaten South Carolina and, and Missouri, and you know, come on, man, come on. You're not back. You never were back. And it'll be interesting to see how their fan base continues to react because they're not happy. Now, it's interesting because we have quarterback issues at a lot of places. Garantano's hurt, whether he'll be back or not for this next game. And I don't like anybody they have behind him. I've seen those guys play here in the swamp. I've seen them play on TV. I don't like anybody. I don't, I don't know how they – again, they have not recruited quarterbacks well. And, and think about this. We can talk about Florida has recruited quarterbacks well. Emory Jones, I think, is a talented guy. Obviously, Anthony Richardson's got a chance to be really something special. But the reason they're great is because of a two-star guy that, that they took that nobody else wanted. So it's a, it's a funny thing. However, the coach of, that, of those quarterbacks is really good at coaching quarterbacks. And that is a difference. Uh, so Pruitt must champ Harbaugh. Who had a worse weekend? Or James Franklin? Uh, unbelievable. This was a team I think a lot of us thought might be might sneak into the playoffs. Now they're zero and three. It's incredible. It really is. Uh, but look, I don't know. Like I don't. A lot of people will tell you, look, you got to dismiss anything that happens this year. Dismiss anything that happens with all the issues that everybody's dealing with. Don't worry. Hey, I don't dismiss it because Alabama's undefeated. Clemson's got one loss. With a real, they have a really good coach on the road in double overtime. Uh, Notre Dame's undefeated. Ohio State looks like they're going to go undefeated. Florida's doing a great job with it. Its coach, the good coaches are still winning games. The, the you know again I think I don't think James Franklin's a bad coach I think he's run into a bad situation and it's just not working out for him and nothing seems to be going right but um, it's almost like after they lost that first game they went eh, there goes our hopes and dreams Harbaugh one and two now this year but his whole season still is going to be Ohio State it won't even matter about getting to the playoffs or not. So you have two losses, you can't get in. You beat Ohio State, doesn't matter. 
Everybody will love him. Everybody will be happy. You know, so he's still got one game, a one-game season ahead of him. All right, um, that's we've gone pretty long here, so I think it's time for three things. Let's do three things. It's time for three things. Number one. I wish I had the master's music. Can we play that? Dun, 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 dun. Well, that, it's, that? I love that mu- music for the masters. The masters is this week. I am so happy. Um, I will say this. On Saturday, as I prepare for the Florida-Arkansas game, my uh, second TV will be on golf. It will not be on another football game. Um, it's my favorite. I don't know. It may be my favorite sport. I, I think the first weekend – the first Thursday through Saturday of the NCAA tournament is probably my favorite sporting event, but the Masters would be second and a close second. It's going to be weird without fans, um, but you were kind of getting used to that. You know, we we've watched U.S. Open without it. You know, the PGA. It, it, it we'll 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 deal with it. But still, I would watch great players play that golf course. No fans. Not. I'd watch it every weekend. I mean, that golf course is special to me. I, I was very fortunate, and that and I appreciate my time here at the Gainesville Sun because they they allowed me to go up there nine straight years. I got to cover it. I worked my tail off, but it was fun, and I got to play it as we as you know. And I can go hole by hole if you want, but that's one of the rules of the three rules I have. Nobody wants to hear your hole by hole score. What'd you shoot? Give me a number. That's all I want. 85 was the answer. Um, I'm, I'm, but I'm fired up. I, I'm going to miss not having the par three contest. That's going to be a shame. But Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and especially Sunday, I will be all over it. It's going to be the weather's not going to be good there. Apparently, they're going to get some of that late part of the storm. That I don't know if it's even a hurricane or not, but um, we'll blow through there on the weekend, and they're going to get parts of it and. We'll see. Hopefully they can play. Um, But I love it. Love the Masters. Number two, opposite ends of the spectrum we saw on Sunday and Monday. The Jets are now 0-9, blew a lead, as only the Jets can do, against a Patriots team that is just – I was blown away. I only watched about five minutes of it. I was like, man, the Patriots aren't any good, are they? (laughs) But still, they came back and won the game in um, late field goal. Was it an overtime? Because I didn't even watch it. And then the Steelers finding a way to win and keep their streak going. They're 8-0. Now, the Jets' loss was devastating for Jacksonville Jaguar fans. But don't worry. You're probably going to finish with a second-worst record, and you can take Fields or you can take Lawrence, whoever they don't take. The Jets are going to end up with one of those guys. But watching these Steelers, I mean, they don't feel like a team that's going to go undefeated and break the Dolphins' record. But watching Garrett Gilbert was kind of fun, too. because, And I know Coach Spurrier, who coached him with the Apollos, not Opollos, but Apollos, the Orlando Apollos, um, talked to him on Monday, and you know they were talking about the game and everything, but... Um, that was a fun game to watch. It was entertaining. Um, but it's just amazing the opposite ends of the spectrum for those two teams. And now Roethlisberger is in COVID protocol because he was, again, he was a contact tracing. I think he has to be away from people for a while. I don't know if he'll be back this week. Uh, it just continues to, to be an issue. And number three, um, I'm going to be the one of the people that applauds Reverend John Jenkins at Notre Dame, the president of Notre Dame, for putting in the uh, rule that he did about and and, and showing uh, uh, disdain for the fans rushing the field, the students, mostly students. Um, I will say this. You can keep fans off the field. It's possible. You choose not to. Brian Kelly said, we don't have the resources. What, what, what are you talking about? The resources? You got the resources. All you got to do is put cops down there. Don't, don't let them do it. 
Okay, but I, I know there are some people who go, oh, Matt was great. No, as soon as it's happening, I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're, I mean, this is there's COVID all over the Midwest. So the the president of the school comes out and says, look, you got to get tested. We're not sending you guys all out for semester break without you being tested. If you don't get tested, your academic status is going to be affected. It's it's a it's a real threat to those students. They have to be tested. I applaud him for that. A lot of people are being critical of him. Oh, they were just having fun. They were going to celebrate in it somewhere else anyway. What difference does it make? You got to set precedence. And also, and you got to set an example, which he did not do when he went to the White House without a mask, shook hands, rubbed elbows with people, and got caught COVID. So, but the fact that he made a huge mistake there, and it could have affected his life, the fact that he made that mistake doesn't mean he can't then turn around and do the right thing. So I think he did the right thing with the students there. You guys all need to go get tested, okay? You rush the field. And I, the, the part that bothered me the most was the Clemson players couldn't get off the field. They couldn't get through the crowd to get off the field. And it's, that was just I, – I'm curious to see where this goes. How many players, how many students test positive? Maybe none. You know, maybe none. Maybe nobody had it and didn't spread it. Or maybe there was two or three people that had it and they were super spreaders. We'll see. But I, I do Reverend Jenkins for making a mistake, coming back. I think he did the right thing. That's my opinion. I may be wrong. I've been wrong before. All right, that's going to do it. Kind of a long podcast here, but, you know, a lot to talk about. Obviously, the Gators' uh, win over Georgia is um, – you're allowed, see, as a fan, you're allowed to celebrate this right up until kickoff Saturday night. Players aren't. They're not allowed to. They gotta get they gotta get their minds right for this game because this is a weird team. It's a team that has bad stats and a good record. Well, we'll um, we'll talk more about that on Thursday when we do the uh, pregame podcast. Of course, Robbie and I will be doing a swampcast again on Thursday and talk about things there and. Um, you know, we'll kind of preview the game again on that. So, anyway, it's time to get out of here. Until next time, I am Pat Dooley, the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I am deep, I am way back, and I am out of here. <laughs>